It's episode 1100, and it's the Relevant Podcast. All you numbers girls are going to be really excited in 11 shows when it's 1111. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? Uh, Just down the road there in Nashville, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And welcome to the show, our newest cast member... Fresh off his first couple of episodes, uh, you know him from Social Club Misfits. It's Marty. What's up? How's everybody doing? Uh, I gotta, I gotta say, it's now September. It's right. uh, we're recording this on September sixth, which means Autumn Girl, Autumn, Autumn Girl, Autumn Christian, Christian Girl, Girl Autumn. Christian Girl Autumn has hit, and it has hit the Jesse Carey household as well because he looks like a lumberjack right now. He's in full fall look. Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of people have pumpkin spice. I have facial hair. Um, I started, <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. Whenever I grow any facial hair, people are like, oh, what's with the beard? It's like, it's it's one answer for that, laziness. It's I slept in multiple mornings in a row, and I was like, you know what? We're rolling with this thing. We're just going with it. But I feel like it does, you know, I feel like it's that that time of year. But here's the other thing, too. Like, look, it's. I, I think I'm speaking for most people here. It's very hot out still. Like, you know, summers are getting longer, and in, 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 at least in my part of the country. But I have, I have some, like, neighbors, and, and just as I'm driving around towns and stores and stuff, there's just a defiance. People are just willing fall into existence. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's uncomfortably hot. People are going into their sweltering attics and pulling out the fake cloth pumpkins like the leaf garnishes, the, the the candles, they're all coming down and they're all getting out. I think for some reason it's been a long summer. People are just ready for fall. Maybe the beard is just my subconscious telling me I'm just ready for 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 the summer to be over. Do you guys ever get a hot beverage? Or I know I know that it's a little gauche the pumpkin spice thing. I have no shame in that game. But do you guys? <laughs> will you guys on even though it's a hot morning, you just want it to be fall and, and we'll go just have like a hot fall type of type of situation. So, so two things: I like pumpkin spice lattes, and I can't grow a beard to save my yeah. life. So Jesse literally can shave at nine a.m. And have a nice, healthy beard by five thirty. <laughs> like wow. and that is true. That is, to be fair, Derek, I, this was really wasn't that much work. This is this is just a, 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 she about a long, this is long weekend status. If it helps, you know, say Derek. If it helps, I also can't grow a beard. But I did buy I, when I was grocery shopping this week. I saw pumpkin spice cream cheese, and I got that for my bagels. So I because I can't do a hot pumpkin spice beverage. Just how yet. is it? It just. Oh, it's great. I actually highly recommend, um, if I can get a sponsorship deal via talking about this, I will talk about this every episode. <laughs> Just start the all, throughout the whole entire podcast. My brother talked about how much he loved chilies however many years ago on this show, and they sent him a year's worth of free chilies. So. Yeah, I'm going to start talking about all my favorite products as if yeah, I'm man, like some cool real. influencer, but it's wow, really like, yeah. I just want free pumpkin spice cream cheese. <laughs> Okay, doesn't it sound good? No, it don't sound good at all. No, it's so good. Why, why is white people? Why do white people try to put pumpkin spice on everything? Derek, pumpkin spice. Go and to raisins. your local Kroger. What is that's the where addiction to pumpkin spice and raisins? I don't understand this. Okay, absolutely not on raisins. Don't put that on me. Okay, okay I didn't say anything about okay, raisins. You, all right. 
But pumpkin spice, raisins, and marshmallows go on the most unlikely thing. What do you got against marshmallows? I love marshmallows. I have nothing on against some, them, it's just but sugar. they have a very specific reason to be cinnamon. <laughs> On the on the yams, you put the, the marshmallows y- on the yams. Bro, right. I, at first, I thought it was crazy. I was like, oh, I'm not eating this garbage. This is gross. And then, I but was I like, think it's a southern versus northern thing. Pretty good. And then you start. No, it's just like a. No, it's a. It's a. It's a, it's a downhill it's a, slope, man. Butter, sugar, cinnamon, done. It's See, I'm done. just butter. It's. It's. I don't. I don't. I'm a little done. salt, maybe. Butter, I don't need any sugar, sweetness. Cinnamon. Done. Why are y'all trying to That's make your probably... your vegetables taste like dessert, dude? I, Derek, I'm the only way to eat vegetables. We don't like vegetables, Derek. <laughs> That's why, dude. When I go when I go to Thanksgiving uh, on on one side of the family, that's like you know, kind of more southern. I'm saying about yeah. half of the dishes out there, and, and this isn't dessert. This is like meal time. Have either marshmallow yeah. or cinnamon, just spread on top. You know what I mean? See, it's just some weird vegetable, but. Don't... The, you know they bring it to life with cinnamon and marshmallow. It's just sitting it just there right happens. on top. Yeah. Now it, there's there's one really white good. dish that I that I will Let's say that I that I love. We know that it's not green bean casserole that right. can go to the bad place. Um, <laughs> but there's this dish that's like marshmallow, pineapple, ambrosia. That mm-hmm. is. I'll, I mess with the ambrosia. I ain't gonna hold you. Mm-hmm. I mess with the ambrosia. I'm not gonna hold you. That is like a, like a little a coconut supply. Little cherries. Hash brown casserole is a is a is a white dish. I rock with. And when I was growing up, there was this one dude whose uh, his mom used to bring biscuits and chocolate gravy. I don't know. What? Have y'all oh, yeah. done that? Yeah. What? Chocolate gravy is good. The biscuit and chocolate gravy is fire. Is that now, just Nutella? Know. Like what? What are you talking no. about? Chocolate nah, gravy. It's, 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 go ahead, Emily. I don't know what the recipe is. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Is it either. Hershey I, syrup? I they heard just of put that. on yeah. no, no, it's, it's called like chocolate a, gravy, but I don't yeah. think there's actually chocolate in it. Like it's just, but it is like brown gravy, but it's different than brown gravy because that's nah, a whole this thing. This had chocolate in it. Hold on, yeah. we gotta research it. Chocolate <laughs> gravy. But it, but it, but it had the consistency of a gravy though. It wasn't yeah. like. Uh, Hold on, where is it at? Ooh, that, I've never had any of those things that you listed. Those sound awful. They sound not good. Wait, what, what's your know, what's pineapple? your fall family meal stuff then? What to do be, you do? To be real, just to jump on the last conversation, like we are at the point of my family, we're trying to find who has the best pumpkin spice. Is it, you know, Starbucks, yes. Dunkin' Donuts, local? It's local. Oh, okay. Right now it's local. Local. It's a place called Coffee Code in, um, in Anaheim that is just... Chef's kiss, it's so good. Um, I'm just gonna say this, and I'm, I don't, I don't think this is gonna sound racist, is it? But Asians make the best coffee. There's no question. Asians what? have the market on. They cornered the market. It's different, and Sir. so their pumpkin spice latte is different. It's a compliment. What the heck? I really, I don't want to go no, anywhere. No, no, no. I'm saying. I've just never heard anyone co- say like that. Asian person, the it's first, the best I'm coffee. You're the first. They care. Okay. Viet- Vietnamese coffee is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, that but is that's respect. Northwest. Respect. Yeah. respect. Are you talking about sugary coffee or are you talking about like my The brew of like it. Just- like they, they, they are really, they care about the beans. So we've been trying to find locally who makes the best. And dude, they care so much about beans and like they're, they're all ingrained. It's like a, it's like a hipster guy from like Miami. Like I've only seen one or two people do that, but they really care. And then, What's crazy is they have another location that's like in like a like a very like white area, and I went to that one. It wasn't good at all. I had to go back to the the Korean family. They're so much better. Anyway, so we've been trying to find we just who has a, the best pumpkin spice latte. 
and we had um, a Korean Korean coffee shop open up in our neighborhood, and I was like, it? "What's a Korean coffee shop? I haven't been there yet. Like, I like what makes it Korean coffee? Your life's gonna so, change, man. They so care it's different. About the beans they brew more. it different. Yeah. 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 They had these like little beakers that go like they're ten feet in the sky and they spin around and the coffee brews. It's unbelievable. Oh, are you talking about uh, uh, Constellation Coffee? Is that what you're talking about? Um, no, they have the place I'm the place I go to is Coffee Code, and then there's another place called Stereoscope oh, okay. that I think uh, Propaganda put me on, and you know mm. Prop knows his coffee. Guys. Yeah, Stereoscope we all can agree there. It's really yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like right by his house. But I was gonna say the only di- we don't really have dishes that are weird. Like the only thing I've ever had that was weird in my family was like marshmallow. My sister made it marshmallows on top of yams but besides that everything's like rice that's all we got Puerto Ricans got rice and the Italian side's got spaghetti a mean ziti for Thanksgiving here's here's the thing though you you guys are talking about worlds that are difficult to really penetrate like the world of international coffees and all this stuff I got I got a real quick way to tell if you're at a good southern restaurant is if they have main courses which is all meats it's 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 a combination of meats and sauces and length of how they were cooked, right? That is main course. Facts. And then it has Facts. it's vegetables. If mac and cheese and dinner Ooh. rolls are constitute as vegetables, <laughs> you're at a good place. There is no formula. There isn't like I gotta see where stuff's brewed. I gotta see I gotta know the international no no no. If straight up carbs with zero Vegetable, maybe corn syrup is, is in there, but zero vegetable is is you know classified among you know because the 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 most high high like protein or or like nutritious vegetable you're gonna get on that side menu you have to know at the very minimum is going to be absolutely slathered in butter like they pretty yeah. much yeah. just without a doubt fish it out of butter and put it on a plate that's all yeah. you gotta eat vegetables to know. all yeah. that all that's the vegetables the butter everything that's yeah the and even, the even the vegetables have, have meat yeah. in them yeah yeah, yeah that's bacon what I was gonna say. and like butter and like yeah that's how you know it's good <laughs> exactly I, like if you have like spinach or collard greens or something it better tastes like they make they make the greens taste like pork and bacon yeah, like they, they, like, they yeah, add maple so. to it what the heck who adds maple to like you know it's like we're gonna add maple te- to our salads okay i'll you're, try it i'll try once why not yeah you're technically <laughs> eating a vegetable but don't worry we boiled it in pork fat so it yeah. still stays so tolerable <laughs> for the longest time when i was growing up i used to say okra was my favorite vegetable and then i realized as i got older fried i liked okra. it because my mom made fried okra yeah oh, and yeah. i oh, just yeah. liked fried the fried part not actually okra. <laughs> like okra in the the okra in the fried okra has zero taste. It's just the yeah. the the yummy fried. The, the the reason the okra works for fried is same reason calamari works. There's a lot of surface area. There's like holes in the okra <laughs> for the batter to like penetrate. You're not eating it for the okra taste. You're just like, what is an item that we can get maximum batter coverage on? And that's why calamari tentacles work. No one likes the tentacles. Yeah. It's just look. There's a lot of tentacles for us. Extra to, batter. Yeah, put batter all over. Jesse, yep. are you in your pastor's office right now with that chair? That looks like a pastor's <laughs> chair, right? Does that look like a pastor's chair? Uh, yeah, like, it does. Like, someone's get, you're going to discipline somebody after this and like tell them they're, they're no longer I, allowed I, to be a part of the church. I, I disciplined an elder right before we came in. Um, shame them. Um, <laughs> shame righteous them. Righteous gemstone style. Yeah, they... Uh, 
you know, I, I, we, we, we did a speaker phone call with several people and I let them know about the three seats in the front, (laughs) like the righteous gemstones. They're all like looking at three chairs, like three throne room chairs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, we talked to Lauren Daigle. She's, uh, the cover story of our current issue right now, but today she releases the second half of her big album. Um, and so we have her on the show today to talk about that. Also, we have your feedback at the end of the show. Your feedback was uh, you asked Marty anything. We got a little AMA action coming up later. You don't want to miss that. But stay tuned right now. Up next, it's Relevant Buzz. You're listening to Spacey Jane and Benet. The song is Lots of Nothing. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Uh, Emily, tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is a new update for the Passion of the Christ sequel, the same one that has been over 10 years in the making. 20. Um, According... Every time I hear sequel, just, just... I just don't even know what to say. <laughs> Passion of the Christ well, 2, Electric Boogaloo. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Drift. I can't wait to see that one. Yeah. Too passionate to Christ. Is that how that Too passionate to... Too passionate to... Passionate to the reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. It's revenge. I'm confused. I'm confused. All right. Well, tell us about it. I'll wait for this one. It would, but it would, Passion of the Christ 2, Judgment Day. That would work, I think. That would work. Oh. That would work. It would work. Right. Well, this we one is going to be... a fantasy cast for it by the way like secretly all five of us should make a secret fantasy cast of who would be perfectly in that okay keep going Tyrese Gibson let's keep going (laughs) (laughs) Um, well so this one is going to be called Passion of the Christ Resurrection so you were kind of close Jesse I'll give you that Um, but yeah the film star Jim Caviezel uh, confirmed that they will begin filming in January Uh, of next year so it was rumored to begin this past spring obviously that didn't happen so here's the new plan and it seems to be sticking on track for now not sure exactly how the whole writers actor strike is going to work but I think they're just going to kind of I don't think Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel yeah. really care yeah <laughs> I don't think he's even care. a part of it right yeah <laughs> Jim Caviezel he's only doing Christian movies now anyway <laughs> yeah they're going to yeah. get Kurt Cameron Jim Caviezel yeah. the guy who played Hercules that guy he, he's not doing anything Zorba. 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 yeah yeah <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Trump's Tell the, do real- the voice of God for them. I know that for sure. They'll, they'll get Trump and head. Wow, guys, right. he's resurrected. Tell tell the plot though, because Jim, we've heard that it's going to be, you know, pick up where the last one left off. It's going to start at the, you know, the the yeah. crucifixion, and it's going to be the three days in between. That's what we heard twenty years yeah. ago from Mel Gibson, but They've Jim Caviezel reve- revealed a little bit more. Like what what what? It's yeah, weirder. Yeah. So um, for, first off, in his words, he did say it was going to be the biggest film in the history of the world. That's a direct quote. So. Um. 
sure. Hold on to your horses for that. Yeah, you know, we'll see it. We'll believe it when we see it. Um, but yeah, so we know a little bit more. It is picking up sort of where it left off. Um, the script would be more philosophical and poetic than a linear and straightforward story. And Gibson himself actually described it, this is again a direct quote, as an acid trip with Jesus going into other realms. Now I gotta see this. Our man, multiverse. Oh, Jesus. Hey, oh, out. You got me. In, in, in. No, r- real talk. If Mel, if Mel Gibson is calling it an acid trip, you know it's an acid trip. It is an acid trip. I'll buy my ticket pre-order right now. Hey, but 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 real talk. Real talk. You know, people have opinions. I get it. Mel Gibson, Jim Caviezel. I'm not. I, I'm just saying artistically. Was on ayahuasca getting the highest of work out here making Jesus movies. Look, look, look I, I'll qualify. You know the the Mel Gibson Jim Caviezel thing. We all we don't have to relitigate stuff, right? Just from an artistic standpoint, look, I I think in in like modern evangelical culture, there's been a real disservice to like kind of some of the more weird parts of the Bible, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, just a complete. Sometimes just completely ignoring it in like theological narratives. Like the Bible says, he descended into hell and 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 got the keys to death from. You know what I mean? Like it was. Yeah. Is that poetry or did, was there some sort of or like, an acid trip or, or was it some sort of trip to some other realm that literally exists that Jesus had to go and commandeer some sort of item. That would, you know, allow for the salvation process to happen. Again, you know, I'm not, I know Jim Caviezel and Mel Gibson are are Catholic, and I'm not familiar with the Apocrypha or the nuances of Catholic theology, but I do know there's some stuff in Catholicism that does lean a little bit more into, I guess, like what I think some modern Christians would be like the fantastical. But it's still in the Bible. Like a lot of this stuff is still in the Bible. It's just we don't talk about it. I think it's cool there's going to be a movie. I do not want Mel Gibson turning Jesus into Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker, <laughs> bro. Like this, bro. But just leave Jesus alone, man. <laughs> just, that's all I'm trying to say, bro. Y'all ran it up. Passion of the Christ, y'all uh, ran it okay. up. Every Easter, you getting paid. But this man said that Jesus is going to be an acid trip with Jesus Derek, in the middle okay. of the dog. Like, hey, bro. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that might get me in trouble, but I think a lot of people listen to me like, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it out loud. I hope you're reading straight up, right now, Jesse. Straight up Bible <laughs> movies and TV shows. I'm not saying they're not good, but let's be honest. They're kind of boring, okay? I know the outcome. I know the story. All you're doing is taking the same stories I've heard ever since I was a little kid in vacation Bible school and upping the production value every step of the way. A lot of them, I'm not saying are well done. I'm not saying shouldn't exist. I'm saying I personally find them very boring and do not watch them for entertainment purposes. If you're telling me you're going to do one that's trippy and really dives into the weird supernatural stuff that no one talks about i'm in it for the like the rock monsters value. yeah i'm in it like, for a, the, like, yeah, like noah yeah, yeah the noah movie with the rock yeah. monsters yeah. yeah but you have to understand that none of these people um the production value of noah is going to be completely different and most of these christian movies are always filmed in like a high school like a christian high school <laughs> right so like i'm wondering also like jim caviezel is gonna be like 20 years older um, what's gonna happen? Jesus is fifty four. Hey, they can, de- they can de- age. They can de- de- and, age. And him. then also, like, what's up with Mel Gibson just uh, 
Never mind, I'm not going to say this. I'll, I'll write this in the chat, but Mel Gibson's always attacking a certain people group all the time. Oh He's like, goodness. well, how can we make another movie hurting someone else's feelings? Oh um, but yeah, Mel Gibson's a trip. I want to see this movie. Hey, Emily, anything uh, else about the movie before you move maybe on? Maybe sometime next time. Okay, real, yeah, real talk. If you're telling me someone was making an Old Testament movie of like Caleb and Joshua, and they went and, and they were spies or whatever... And there were giants in the movie that were so big awesome. that Caleb and, giant, and Joshua were the size of grasshoppers. That's what the Bible says, okay? That'd be and cool. And, and they had to go fight giants that are the size of skyscrapers. We saw this movie, though. Night at the Museum. Come on, man. Owen Wilson. Just kidding. <laughs> honey, honey I Shrunk guy. the Kids. It was uh, yeah, a yes, metaphor. Listen, yeah. That was based is, biblical. Hey, listen, was, guys, just, Hollywood got guys, to it. That's cool. I'm I'm down. Like, let's find the trippy stuff in the Bible. Like, why there hasn't been a David and Goliath movie? Like, I don't know why. That's easy. There should be a. There should be one. But Jesus. I think there's a vegetarian. In between his resurrection, (laughs) can we find something other than that? Like, in between the three days, like, can we find something other than that? I mean, Revelation. There is one movie that Mel Gibson said that he was trying to get done, uh, David's story. He wanted to do that one part where David, like, circumcised 50 people to get the guy's wife. (laughs) Stupid. I don't know. Maybe we'll see that happens. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, or there's all kinds of stuff, but we leave Jesus alone. He ain't bothering nobody. Yeah, let's get to so many other characters. I'm just saying. Jesus ain't bothering nobody. Y'all keep messing with him. I'm just saying, real talk, a lot of Bible movies just aren't any fun. This one sounds like it's going to be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's going to be a trip. Like we said, Caviezel himself said it was going to be the biggest film in history. He said that Mel Gibson took him through a lot of the scenes and he was on the floor crying. Um, and it's just like one of the best things that you're ever going to see. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to say I'm going in with high hopes. I, but wanted, I'm I wish I could be hopes. in that room where Mel Gibson is going scene by scene through the script and Jim Caviezel is on the floor crying. That I mean. <laughs> What was, what was Mel Gibson they, like acting it out like charades? That's why they're crying. They're on ayahuasca. <laughs> oh my god! For real, they're having their acid trip. Wrote, well, here's a. I was just reading the article, Emily, and it says right here that after they wrote this movie, they also wrote "What Woman Want Part Two, and they were also crying <laughs> on the floor. So you know, I don't know. At this point, we don't. We can't tell what's going to happen. That's <laughs> good. What woman right. want? Helen Hunt's not attached to that one either. But you know, it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, because uh, we got to get out of this world. Um, we need to talk about uh, this really interesting new survey from Pew Research that found there's still a really big major division in America when it comes to seeing racism and discrimination, particularly within the church. Um, mm. So back in April, Pew asked whether the bigger problem regarding race was people ignoring racism that actually exists or perceiving racism where it doesn't exist. Um, Now, on average, 45% of Americans said the bigger issue was seeing racism where it doesn't exist as a bigger problem. But white Christians specifically overwhelmingly said that that's the bigger problem. 72% of white Christians think that seeing racism where it doesn't exist is the bigger problem. (laughs) Oh, my my God. I know. I was shocked by by this, Derek. I know you're not, but I was shocked by this. Three quarters of white Christians think that the bigger issue is not racism, but people saying that there's racism where there isn't any. That's insane to me. Like, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's 
obviously there's I'm a big discrepancy. Yeah, Derek, I don't want you to be quiet. Like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> no, Derek, we're setting you up right I'm, now. Please I'll, say something. I already said, <laughs> I said everything I need to say. I literally, wow. when Emily was going through the show oh, plans with me, she, she brought this up and I was like, I can't wait to hear what Derek has to say about this. And you're literally not saying nothing. <laughs> but I said it. Wow. <laughs> because it is one of those things Whoa. that I do feel like it's not all that surprising. You know, I'm not saying it isn't like it, it's 75%. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Three I out of four white Christians say racism isn't a problem. Fake, in, you know, in this, in Pew research. So that's not every white Christian. Yeah. So I, I'm, I would hope true. that is not that, but I would say if you get the right sample size, it's, it was a big sample size. I mean, it's a national yeah. sampling. That's the thing. It's like, it's Pew's not... pretty good about getting a Yeah, Pew's sampling. scientific. It's not Pew. one of these random, like, hey, 500 white, people. White Christians, I tried to help you out, bro. Like, hey, they ain't <laughs> I do think y'all the... no, I tried to help y'all, man. I, you know, I really did, for real. <laughs> I think that's what the big issue, though, is like, we're three years past this big racial reckoning, and it's like, it, it feels like nothing changed, and like, the needle didn't mm. move. And that's what's, like, frustrating and upsetting, yeah. that... Right. It seems like we're kind of still. And in fact, place. it may be pushing the needle the other way because, you know, the anti woke stuff and like, you know, I don't want to be, you know, if I if I have empathy toward racism, then I'll be seen as leftist or something. And like mm. white Christians don't want to be seen as right. liberal. So they're they maybe even the pendulum swung further the other way in hindsight, which is crazy to me. Yeah. But. Yeah, I anyway. mean, it, it, it is like this weird pendulum where, you know, people will use like woke as like this pejorative or, you know, people like the, the same people who were at one point railing against cancel culture are canceling people who, you know, <laughs> you know, for cancel culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's like it, uh, like there's a there's a degree of like reflexive outrage that people tend to like instead of like looking at any situation that they might not personally understand and therefore not say they agree with instead of trying to come to some sort of you know alter you know you know uh, good faith look at an alternate perspective the 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 reflex is i'm just going to be mad at this because it's not yeah, exactly yeah. like what i think or you know what i mean like i, I feel like that has permeated tons of different areas of social discourse but it's mm. particularly destructive when you know people feel like the bigger problem <clears throat> is you, you know being able to recognize racism you know right. listen maybe i'm jaded i could no. be, and i will accept that but if the government came out and said we think that we have ufos then they say, you know what? No, we actually have seen UFOs. Then they say, we're going to release the footage of UFOs. And people did not care. And that's crazy. Bro, people are not going to care about <laughs> like <laughs> Like we yeah. are at. I, I just think that humanity is at its at wit's end. We're trying to figure out complex things. So we're mm. just like, you know what? Mm. Hey, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If this doesn't really affect me in a way that is, like, immediate, then I don't really care. And I think that conversations like race, extraterrestrials, climate change, and things of that nature that have much more nuanced um, things that we have to deal with, I just think people are checked out. 
That's what, I have I, a, that's what I see. I have a legit question. Like, why why is race such a touchy? Like, I guess for me, being in South Florida, raised in Miami my whole life, race is always like the first thing you ask somebody. It's like, hey, where are you from? What are you you know where are you from? Like, that's normal, yeah. and it it feels like outside of certain, I guess, the cities that I've, I'm from, it always feels like it's such a touchy issue. Everyone's like, oh my God. Like, rather, everyone's like, don't talk about it. It's almost like, it feels like that. Like, let's just suppress it. Like, why is it such a weird, why is it so crazy to, like, talk about? Like, why is it such, why can't we all, like, in this room right now, like, talk about it without feeling like, uh, like we're pointing to a bad guy? Like, I just feel like, it's almost like the church is so afraid of talking about it that we don't talk about it and it's it's like a nuanced subject instead of just being like open about it but like, yeah it's it's pretty bad in the church yeah. instead of saying that we're like we're like well you know um like in, instead of just addressing the issue we rather like lie about it i don't know it's it feels like we all know about it but no one's saying anything for real like nobody's willing to really be like yeah we are pretty bad I don't know. It's- because in because in Miami, LA, major populated cities like that, you have to see people that don't look like you. Yeah. And not just one or two groups of people. Like you gotta you're not just dealing with Hispanics and then it's just like, you know, out here in, in, in the suburbs or the rural area, it's like every Hispanic is a Mexican. It's like, no, nah, in Miami you have Mexicans, you have uh, yeah. Puerto Ricans you have you know Caribbean you know what I'm saying like you have so many different people and you and you go to school with different people and you you have a level of comfortability well when you come to where the church usually thrives which is in the suburbs and in rural areas most of those places are very segregated still mm-hmm. so they're like rather than like we'd rather just not know where you stand on race because we don't know if we're gonna like you when this is over with Um, Right. And I think that that's the main reason why that happens. It's like, yo, we're at church and more than likely, I mean, like if you're a black guy and you go to a church that's pretty white, you're probably thinking, man, you know what? I probably don't even need to enter this race conversation with anyone here because there's going to be a point of no return Mm. with some of my, my white brothers and sisters that I like. You know what I'm saying? And then on the opposite side, if you're a white guy, you're like, man, I don't necessarily know if I want to, or white woman, you don't necessarily know if you want to talk about race because you guys are having a great time at the at the church picnic and and it's like, let's just not, because I don't want to know what your grandmother taught you and you don't want to know what my grandmother taught me. So I feel like that's really the, the issue here. And the most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning at 11. Right. You know? As opposed to Miami, which is like, yeah, it's, you're it's, just going to, yeah. you're going to see every race on the planet in Miami. Yeah. Yeah, I heard period. this, I heard, I was reading this article the other day where it talked about how when we all, like local churches and liberal, I guess you would say like Miami or New York, we're so, we're so close to everybody so you can't help but being around everybody. Um, but when you go to areas where houses are farther apart, you find that there's more uh, like prejudice in areas where the house, like where people are closer together, people are more like, Hey, we care about who's around us. Like we're on the bus together. We're everywhere together. But when you go places where people are farther away, it's like, get away from me. Like it's me versus you. It's less us all together, taking care of each other, which is definitely foreign. Yeah. It's, it's a complex um, conversation, but I think it is an important one to have. And, you know, we'll keep having it. Hopefully moving things inch by inch. Um, and speaking of moving things along, I got one more thing that I do want to talk about before we wrap up, Buzz. Um, it's another new biblical movie coming out that we've got our eye on. And this one is also kind of a comedy drama. I, I don't know right. if the sequel to Passion of the Christ is from Jay-Z. 
It is produced by oh, Jay Z. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited yeah, about this. I saw that. So okay, the uh, the first trailer for the Book of Clarence was released. So the film stars Lakeith Stanfield as Clarence, who is a struggling uh, Jerusalemite trying to gain fame and recognition in 29 AD by convincing people he is the long-awaited Messiah. Um, so obviously, you know, he sees, he hears these stories coming along, and he just wants the fame for himself. Um, we actually have the trailer here, if we can play it. I'm Clarence. I'm not a man without faults. I played the cards I was dealt. Clarence, in spite of your selfish ways, there's a beautiful soul in there somewhere. Clarence, it's him. Jesus of Nazareth. You can't even buy power like that. I want to be like that in 10 years. I want to be like that now. Knowledge is stronger than belief. Clarence, you need miracles. I have a plan. I can see! I can see! God sent me to deliver his message. I am your new messiah. Stop that! Uh, like I said, it's a bit, it's a comedy, but there's a little bit of drama because it does kind of get into some um sort of like serious topics the director um, who also directed the harder they fall spoke with vanity fair and said that he wanted to tell a bible story about an everyman and said quote i always wanted to explore the bible stories but from the angle of the person that sells jesus his sandals the woman or man that owns the hair salon and clarence is a person that doesn't believe in anything outside of what's in front of him what he can see or hear he has a lot of inside belief he has a lot of inside confidence this man is sure he could fly he reminds me of me growing up but unlike me he has no outside faith and i think that's a really interesting vantage point to explore living in that particular time and place yeah and it, so and it's one year before the ministry of christ began right 29 yeah yeah so, 29 so, ad so, so. So it's like he's kind of hearing stories like things are coming. Yeah. So he kind of tries to jump in front of it and is like, actually, I'm the Messiah. What What's Jay-Z's role in it? He's the producer. Oh, gotcha. Jay-Z's the producer. Yeah. Rock Nation. It, you know, it's funny. Yeah. It's like yeah, I, yeah. I was actually watching um, the other day. I was watching a movie at the theater and I heard someone next to me say like, uh, like sacrilegious. Could we, is it sacrilegious to watch this movie? Is it not a good thing? Is it as a believer? Can we watch it? Of course, right? I don't know. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, I <laughs> That's yeah, exactly I how I feel, like, Cameron. Yeah, I don't like, know. I just want to see it. <laughs> I mean, Jay Z. Yeah. Cool. Let's watch I, it. I, I think. I think that the truth of the gospel is strong enough to hold up against you know cultural satire. Keith Stanfield. And, yeah. And, and, you know, Keith creative <laughs> creative exploration. I I don't think. I, I think you know. I, I listen. I, I think there's, there's there's like reverence when stuff some stuff you know comes into play, but I I don't think we have to like pearl clutch when it comes to you know the 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 liberties people take with parables you know what i mean like that was the language of christ was to say you know i am the vine you are the branches people aren't like how dare you call god a vine you know he's not a vine he's he's like well obviously i'm not saying this happened i'm trying to do an illustration here like let's not get all bent out of shape god's okay that i'm making an analogy you know what i mean i think i would be more concerned if if it was about Jesus, but yeah. it's literally called 
book, the of, book Clarence, of Clarence. Right. Yeah. So this is this it's guy's fictional. story. Yeah. And you can't tell me during this time that people wasn't trying to clout chase yeah. and ride yeah. the wave of, of Jesus. Like you cannot tell me people were not trying to capitalize off of miracles and things that was happening. Well, hey, you like I mean, if you know humanity, you know yeah. that people were doing yeah. that. So like yeah. it is what it is. January 12th, mark your calendars. There you go. Go see it. All right, that'll do it for... Make sure to check out RelevantMagazine.com every weekday where we're covering the intersection of faith, culture, and everything in between. All right, stay tuned. Up next, Lauren Daigle joins... You're listening to Best Friends and Joy Wave. The song is Everything's the Best. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, you know our next guest. She is the current cover artist uh, in the summer issue of Relevant. She released a huge album this year, uh, self-titled Lauren Daigle, and today released volume two of that album with a lot of new songs. Uh, We talked to her about uh, volume two uh, and her new direction and her music and the importance of staying connected with her fans. Here's our conversation with Lauren Daigle. Was it scary to be like this personal for your record? I feel like um, that is a byproduct of who I am. Like (laughs) I can be like, oh, that was an overshare moment. Like I can definitely be that person. Um, So part of me feels like it's just a byproduct of my personality. I love things that are authentic. Um, But I do feel like I talk about things that I haven't talked about before lyrically. Um, I do think like Don't Believe Them is a perfect example. That song is a song that like even singing it, I'm like, whoo, like there's there's a lot of conviction in that. For me, that is vulnerable for me to to share or even to um, witness in a way. And so I think, um, yeah, there were there are definitely a lot of vulnerable moments. I don't know if I'm necessarily afraid of them as much as I am like curious as to where it would lead. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's more like, oh, the unknown is a bit yeah. daunting, but I also, I don't know. I feel like I'd rather just say true to the process. I hope you find your way back to me. 
take all of the time you need yeah, yeah. I'll be waiting here patiently In the hopes you're coming back to me, back to me, please I just wanna know you I just wanna show you I won't play a part in all your pain If this road you've chosen We're talking a lot about how this project was um, more personal for you. And that's something that I think your fans really appreciate is, you know, they feel like they know you and they have this relationship with you. But I have to imagine as you've become more popular that it's harder to keep that connection with your fans. Um, But it's something that you still pursue. So I want to know why is maintaining that connection so important to you? I think because... Not I think, I mean, I know. I don't have a desire to be famous. (laughs) Like, I really don't. I hate it. I think it's just, it's so uncomfortable. And there's this thing whenever you can draw connection, it allows you to be in the same, in someone else's shoes, even but for a moment, right? It's Mm -hmm. like this thing where, wait, you just gave me joy. Oh, I can give you joy too. There's this beautiful thing that happens in the world. You start to see that all of these platforms, positions, blah, blah, blah. It really just boils down to, can I relate to you? Can you relate to me? In in that, in the simplest of form, can I love you? Are you capable of loving me? Like, how do we get to the simplest um, expression of that? The simplest versions of connection, I think, are the purest versions of connection. When we can just look into someone's eyes and say, thank you. When we, we, when we can look in someone's eyes and say, I see you. Like, that does something so beautiful, not just for me, not just for the person next to me, but for humanity as a whole. And so those are the experiences I want, I not just want, I actually long to bring into the world. I remember when I was a teenager, hearing stories about people who were really lonely. Um, and suicide wasn't a thing in my teens as much as it is now. Like that happened, but it was very, very either kept under wraps or uh, few and far between. And I remember just thinking, I don't, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in this world that is so full of beauty and kindness and be lonely in this regard. I felt loneliness as a teenager. I was placed on homebound for two years in a period of isolation when the rest of the world was moving 900 miles an hour. So I know, I know how loneliness feels, but there is a, there are people who do not have a single friend, not one friend in the world. And that ache, like it actually aches me to my core. And so you never know in those interactions with people at shows and things like that, or interactions with people in the grocery store or interactions with people that you see walking along the street. When you get emotional, you just never know what um, kindness can do for just one person. And so I think whenever I whenever I go to the shows and stuff, it's like, this is the one chance that somebody might have, they might not have had a hug for a year 
Like mm-hmm. who knows the last time that somebody has like looked them in the eyes. You just don't know what people's stories are. And so, um, I, yeah, I deeply long for people to feel loved and I don't ever want that to change. I don't care how big I get. I don't care how small I get. Like, I hope that that is a thing that just never changes. I'm curious with this album I feel like this sort of relates to it like is there a message that you hope people hear when they listen to this album I, well just as it was reforming reforming reformative for me in making this process of making this record I hope that people feel that same thing like when they listen they're like wow there is actually hope on the horizon there's this song called these are the days it's the last one on the record And that song is like, just to shed light on, we might be in intense times. We might be in, um, you know, moments where people are like, how, how much darker is the world actually about to get? What is going on? This is all crazy. That song is to remind people that like, no, there are still good things on the horizon. There are still good things ahead. Like I, you know, whenever you read certain parts of the Bible, like in Revelation, when Jesus comes back again, like those are things that are worth celebrating. Like every tear will be wiped from people's eyes. Um, smiles will return to people's faces. And I look forward. I feel like that is also here and now. Like it doesn't, the darkness does not overtake the light. And so with that, I feel like this record, I hope is, um, I hope that people can start it. Thank God I do see the despair with a glimmer of hope, but know that there was despair there. And then end that these are the days, like how in the world did we just make this arc? Like how, how am I at the end of this record feeling more alive than when I began listening? That's the goal. That's the dream for this record. That was Lauren Daigle. Make sure to check out uh, more of that conversation and the cover story in the summer issue of Relevant. You can get it right now for free over at relevantmagazine.com. Stay tuned up next. It's Ask Marty Anything. Listening to Between Friends, the song is Self Destruct. Sensing a friendship theme yeah, this episode. Is, yeah. Best friends, you know. 
So, well, this this friendship self-destructed between friends, you know. That's not good. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. All right. Um, Okay, so last week, uh, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you to ask us questions for marty you ask ask marty questions get to know him a little bit you know he's you're gonna he's gonna be around he ain't going anywhere you might as well get to know the man so uh marty people hit us up on x and threads and send in you know a bunch of questions so here's a few of them sweating no i was just thinking about the situation where george got kicked out off uh of logan paul's thing and i was like i hope that never happens to me <laughs> sorry <laughs> Logan George, who's George? Yeah. Like George, George Costanza? Okay, so this whole thing happening right now. Logan Paul kicked off this guy, George, off his podcast. He had three people on it. And now it's like two mm-hmm. because George couldn't take a joke from Bobby Lee. And so it's a whole thing on TikTok. So I just was like, man, I hope that never, I hope I could always take a joke. I hope I don't get kicked <laughs> off the show mid podcast. Yeah. That would be rough. What, yeah. And yeah. especially we're, if we're you, you get replaced with the Paul brother. That is, you know, yeah, yeah. Worse, yeah that is the only thing. No I get replaced in this podcast by Mel Gibson. Just kidding. No. All right. Uh, Adam Davis asks you, what's your, what, or who was your biggest influence getting into hip hop? And why was it Carmen? That's what he said. It wasn't, I used to say that though. That was my joke. It was like my running joke. I love Carmen. Cause he would just start, he would always come with this like, like gangster accent whenever he would like, it, it was like a different personality, like multiple personality disorder. He would just be like, yo, I'm from the, I'm like Italian from the hood. So I guess I'm Italian from Brooklyn. I guess I'm from the same spot. I think my favorite rapper of all time, I know this is crazy and people are going to hate me for this because um, he's a new artist. Rico, but, Rico Suave. Yeah, well, uh, it's going to be Lou Bega, Mama Number 5. I got that from <laughs> um, Stephen King. No, um, I, uh, my favorite rapper has always been Mac Miller because I feel like I found him in obscurity and then I saw him throughout his whole career. So I saw the whole yeah. process. Um, and he inspired me to evolve, you know, like, so he went from being not the greatest to being amazing artist, teaching himself how to play guitar and piano. And so over the course of my career, I, you know, I went to Berkeley to go to, to learn how to be a better songwriter in Boston. I went there, um, during the pandemic and then I, um, learned how to play piano and learned how to, I'm learning how play bass and so I'm trying to be a better artist but the problem is I go to people like I went to Derek's house working on one project and he's so good at what he does I always feel dwarfed by it I'm like like how are people this good so I think being around good people always challenges me to be better but yeah I will I will say I'm gonna piggyback that's a good answer I'm gonna piggyback off the Derek thing if y'all aren't listening to Derek's new album which I'm gonna talk like he's not sitting here right now I it is astonishingly good as like to to consider that he wrote it he produced it like the musicality is him like he mixed it like it's all him like it just I can't wrap my head around it because normally you would have writers normally you'd have musicians normally you'd have producers bringing it all together and he did all of it it's just crazy because it's so stinking good Derek 
I mean, I, it's I literally on repeat. That, like, it's like the number one album on my on my phone right now. I'm just listening to it all the time, dude. So, yeah, I appreciate it. What's I, the best I'm not song gonna take credit for all of it, but um, well, two. You produced everything yeah, but, but two pro- songs. You did yeah, eight out of ten, of right? Yeah, yeah. Come on now. But, Take uh, some credit, man. My favorite song is Hallelujah, the intro. Hallelujah. Just, yeah. Boom. yeah, that's my favorite song. Everyone but start there. That's just me. Start right there. We're at the beginning. <laughs> start at track one. Yeah. <laughs> start at the beginning, baby. Um, all right, uh, Marty. Uh, CJ Adams has two questions. Number one, MC Hammer or Young MC? Uh, I guess MC Hammer was young, young MC. Was young MC. Are you bust a move? Are you serious? Oh, you don't know bust a move. Yeah, on it. Oh, yeah, MC, MC Hammer. MC Hammer is uh, the cornerstone of gangster music. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm <laughs> no, dead this, serious. This is a fact. This is a fact. He is Tell me. the first. He's the first like openly crip gangster from Cali. Like he. He's gotten arguments with other rappers, and he pulled up fifty deep. Like he'll go to Florida with fifty people. Like he's a legit scary guy. I'm not even joking. Bro, he with was you. hanging with Death Row, bro. Like he they was were. Like, Suge Knight was, was afraid of him. Exactly. Yes. Do, do people don't know about, know that, about right? that. Do you think? Do you think? I just know it's Jesus. Him and Ray J. Do you think the pants set him back? Like in hindsight, like. It was, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying it wasn't bold and wasn't cool, but I'm just saying, you think he painted himself in the corner and he could have had a different reputation if he did just... His like, Aladdin pants? I think he should have owned... I think if he would have collaborated with the pants company and had his own brand, he would have won. He would have made another $100 million right there. All right. Uh, part two, Marty. CJ wants to know, who hurt you? Who hurt me? I mean, who hasn't hurt me? I don't know. That's such a weird question. Why do Christians want to ask me the hardest? It's you a... It, dude, it's a deep cut, ten year old, yeah. fifteen year old callback to this podcast. That was a question dude. we would ask quite a bit as oh, okay. a joke. So. I was about to say because yeah, the other day someone's yeah. like, um, "How's?" Well, someone asked me this other day. I've talked to him twice my whole life, and he goes, um, "How's your heart?" I was like, like <laughs> "It's all right." I was uh, like, "It's I feel okay." Like it's good. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. My cholesterol's a little high, but you know, my blood pressure's all right. I don't know. Wings last night, so are you talking heart burn? It's surrounded probably by fat, but it's okay. There's a load of fat just weighing on my heart after eating all the stuff I've eaten the last five years. But yeah, who hurt me? No one. No one has hurt me. I mean, maybe maybe an uncle once, and you know, like. Your uncle has come up three times, and you've been on f- three shows. I have a lot of uncles, man. Oh, that's true. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what? You know, as a kid, you know, and like growing up, this is probably what it is when you're growing up, and then you start realizing that adults have conversations, and they're, you know, like you're, and so you hear like an adult talk about you, and they're like, man, he's kind of like really hyper. Like that was like the thing that hurt me as a kid. Like he's like he won't stop. Like stop him now, you know. And I heard it, overheard it, and I was like, man, I'm. I suck. I'm the worst. You know, I was like, I'm terrible. So I, maybe that hurt me. I don't know. I was 10 years old and an uncle came and visited. I hadn't seen him in a year or two. And and the first words out of his mouth were, man, you've gained weight. Yeah. I still remember it. Yo. Yeah. A Christian rapper actually Man. just said that to me. Dead serious. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you the story. It's a true story. Uh, this was, this happened actually like two years ago and it was like pandemic. So we were all kind of a little chunky. And so he goes, I went to church and this guy comes up to me. I'll, I'll say his name. I swear. But he was like, um, oh, you got, you got fat, bro. You got a little fatter. So I was like, you got divorced. That was my response. To uh-huh. <laughs> no, you did not do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you got divorced. We both, we both, you know, 
Whatever, I lost, life happens, I, I you know. You lost. I don't know. Like, I guess. But, but to be fair, to be fair, it's like the Winston time. Churchill quote. You know, yes, my yes, my lady, I am you know fat and a drunkard. But in the morning, I'll be sober, and you'll still be ugly. You'll yep, still be divorced. You know, so I, that's my guy right there. I was just fresh off a book of Winston Churchill. Here's the thing, though. Maybe my age is showing, but I think a couple of you guys can relate to this. I think 90s uncles were just a little bit different of a breed. Like, for some reason, yeah, for sure. if you're an uncle yeah, in the 90s, sure. you were a straight-up savage to every nephew. Yeah, you were. Sure. Like, you, did if, bad you, you never hugged them. If you said something to a nephew, it was probably making fun of something they were wearing. And, like, God forbid you get in a little pickup basketball game because they are they are taking you in the post like Bill Lambeer down there. I mean, <laughs> straight show up you elbows. What to, yeah. Exactly. Yep. I think, yeah, I, think sure. I don't think it was anything wrong with your uncles. I just think uncles used to, for some reason, it just was bred well, un- into 90s uncles that you, the, yeah. your, your ultimate disposition with any nephew is just to be a bully. It was just how uncles yeah. were back then. It, it kind of was. Well, he also did friends. have... He, he also told us he had an uncle that was in the mafia. So his uncle no, might have been. No, a I different. had some uncles that were really uh, full blown criminals, just full blown yeah, yeah. problems in the in the in the in the eighties. Like they literally got kicked yeah. out of New York. Like it got they, they a church <laughs> like kicked the, like was like you got to go to Alabama and go to like a retreat. So for like th- to like a year, they had to get like a detox. Re- it was a whole thing. Well, it's crazy. That, and now they're all pastors. That, that that's what most I of think, them are. I think the ones any, are alive. Any family. <laughs> any family. <laughs> has one uncle who's persona non grata somewhere. I question if I, you even have sure, a person. Sure. If you don't have well that, connected. Yeah, that's yep. a scary yep. past, uncle haunted past, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have that uncle. I only see him about once every 10 years, you know, like nobody know, really knows where he's living at any given time. And then all of a sudden he'll just show up one day and it's like, yeah, anyway. All right. Uh, last question. We got to get, uh, get moving. So, um, Melissa asked, are there any conspiracy theories you actually believe are true? Here we go. Yeah, actually, there is a couple. Um, It's funny. I actually, we were just talking about this in my family. There are some that we think, there's some that, um, like, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. Like, I don't, it's too much mental gymnastics to think some of the new ones that we got going on. Like, I'm just not, I just don't, like, my friend, I'm like, bro, you work at Old Navy. They're not trying to track you. The government doesn't know, (laughs) care about you. You fold you fold shirts for two for five. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's no you're you're what they would call like a low like there's what would their radar call it? Low You're interest. not on the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You work at, yeah. you know, like just because you have 50,000 followers on Facebook in the group and you do stuff. Like I had a buddy of mine, they're like, uh, he was telling me yesterday, um, we were talking, he was like, you know, he's like, you can't deny that the government is tracking us. And and I'm like, bro, you you are broke. Like you, ha- you should see your car outside. Like, no one's tracking you. No one cares. You're what they call a low interest. You're low. You work at Wawa starts here nothing bad with wawa we love wawa but no one's tracking you let's just be honest so um there's a couple conspiracy theories i always uh, felt like um i always felt like there's aliens i always felt like they try to i always felt like maybe eight maybe angels were aliens you know in the bible how like angels like had relationships with people and then like people always said like aliens had relationships with me i'm like maybe there was something there maybe the alien was you know uh, wait are you talking about relations or relationships relations I was just trying to be nice. There was, they were like smashing people, right? And so they were having relationships, sexual relationships, right? They made giants, oh right? Oh, Jesse that's knows just, yeah. he's in the pastor's chair. He knows what I'm talking about. Genesis 6, they were having, so 
Yeah, so he even quoted verse. He loves that verse. So then the, the aliens, <laughs> a the aliens they had relationships with humans, right? Remember? And they were like, yeah, the aliens, they, they abducted me and then they like went in places they shouldn't have went they in. They probed me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm always like, maybe there's some correlation between angels and aliens. Genesis 6, me and Jesse, you know, like there's something there. I don't know. That was my conspiracy growing up. Well, the government has confirmed it. So there you go. It's not a conspiracy anymore. a good picture. That's the only thing. Like we don't, we need some pictures. What's going on? All right. Well, that'll do it for Ask Marty Anything. Uh, okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Okay, so we were talking about The Passion of the Christ 2, Electric Boogaloo, starting uh, shooting in January. And it got us thinking of other, uh, you know, undertold Bible stories that should have movies. Uh, we mentioned a few on the show. We want to hear from you. What Bible stories do you think should be made into a movie? And if you want to throw in some casting suggestions and stuff, we're all about it. Hit us up on Twitter slash X at Relevant Podcast, or you can hit us up on threads um, or Instagram stories as well. And we'll read our favorites on next week's show. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Lauren Daigle for joining us. Make sure to check out Volume 2 of her huge album. Um, Also, make sure to check out the cover story we have with her. Uh, We covered a lot of other stuff uh, over at RelevantMagazine.com. It's the cover story of our summer issue. Just click on the magazine tab and it's all right there for free. Uh, also click around there's other there's other great content in the issue and it will be going away shortly as we roll out our fall issue here uh, later this month um, also while you're at the site make sure to sign up for our for our daily newsletter it brings you our top five trending stories our best content every day every weekday delivered right to your inbox uh, it's right there on the sidebar of every article or on the front page at relevantmagazine.com um, also make sure to follow us on all the socials we're relevant magazine or relevant on all the platforms or posting a lot of stuff you don't want to miss. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. And I'm Marty. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. I'm going to say something that might get me in trouble, but I think a lot of people listen and be like, I'm, I'm glad you said it out loud. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.